Part three of the Wheel of Time by Henry James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. After luncheon at the Crisfords, the big Sunday banquets of twenty people and a dozen courses, the men lingering a little in the dining room, dawdling among displaced chairs and dropped napkins, while the ladies rustled away, ended by shuffling in casual pairs up to the studio where coffee was served, and where presently, before the cigarettes were smoked out, Mrs. Crisford always reappeared to usher in her contingent the studio was high and handsome and luncheon at the crisfords was in the common esteem more amusing than almost anything else in london except dinner it was bohemia with excellent service bohemia not debtor but creditor upstairs the pictures finished or nearly finished and arranged in a shining row gave an obviousness of topic so that conversation could easily touch bottom morris glanville who had never been in the house before looked about and wondered he was struck with the march of civilization the rise of the social tide there were new notes in english life which he caught quickly with his fresh sense during his long absence twenty years of france and italy all sorts of things had happened in his youth in england artists and authors and actors people of that general kind were not nearly so smart morris glanville was forty-nine to-day and he thought a great deal of his youth he regretted it he missed it he tried to beckon it back but the differences in london made him feel that it had gone for ever there might perhaps be some sudden compensation in being fifty some turn of the dim telescope some view from the brow of the hill it was a round gross stupid number which probably would make one pompous make one think one's self venerable meanwhile at any rate it was odious to be forty-nine morris observed the young now more than he had ever done observed them that is as the young he wished he could have had a son to be twenty with again his daughter was only eighteen but fond as he was of her he couldn't live instinctively into her girlishness it was not that there was not plenty of it for she was simple sweet indefinite without the gifts that the boy would have had the gifts what had become of them now that he himself used to have the youngest person present before the ladies came in was the young man who had sat next to vera and whom being on the same side of the long table he had not had under his eye morris noticed him now noticed that he was very good-looking fair and fresh and clean impeccable in his straight smoothness also that apparently knowing none of the other guests and moving by himself about the studio with visible interest in the charming things he had the modesty of his age and his position he had however something more besides which had begun to prompt the observer to speak to him in order to hear the sound of his voice a strange elusive resemblance lost in the profile but flickering straight out of the full face to some one morris had known for a minute glanville was worried by it he had a sense that a name would suddenly come to him if he should see the lips in motion 
but as he was on the point of laying the ghost by an experiment mrs crisford led in her companions his daughter was among them and in company as he was constantly anxious about her appearance and her attitude she had at moments the faculty of drawing his attention from everything else the poor child the only fruit of his odd romantic union the coup de foudre of his youth with her strangely beautiful mother whose own mother had been a russian and who had died in giving birth to her his short colourless insignificant vera was excessively incorrigibly plain she had been the disappointment of his life but he greatly pitied her her want of beauty with her antecedents had been one of the strangest tricks of fate she was acutely conscious of it and being good and docile would have liked to please she did sometimes to her father's delight in spite of everything she had been educated abroad on foreign lines near her mother's people he had brought her to england to take her out to do what he could do for her but he was not unaware that in england her manners which had been thought very pretty on the continent would strike some persons as artificial they were exactly what her mother's had been they made up to a certain extent for the want of other resemblance an extreme solicitude at any rate as to the impression they might make was the source of his habit in london of watching her covertly he tried to see at a given moment how she looked if she were happy it was always with an intention of encouragement and there was a frequent exchange between them of little invisible affectionate signs she wore charming clothes but she was terribly short in england the girls were gigantic and it was only the tallest who were noticed their manners alas had nothing to do with it many of them indeed hadn't any manners as soon as he had got near vera he said to her scanning her through his single glass from head to foot who is the young man who sat next you the one at the other end of the room i don't know his name papa i didn't catch it was he civil did he talk to you oh a, a great deal papa about all sorts of things something in the tone of her voice made him look with greater intensity and even with greater tenderness than usual into her little dim green eyes then you're all right you're getting on she gave her effusive smile the one that perhaps wouldn't do in england oh beautifully papa everyone's so kind she never complained was a brave little optimist full of sweet resources but he had detected to-day as soon as he looked at her the particular shade of her content it made him continue after an hesitation he didn't uh, say anything about his relations anything that could give you a clue vera thought a moment not that i can remember unless that mr crisford is painting the portrait of his mother ah there it is the girl exclaimed looking across the room at a large picture on an easel which the young man had just approached and from which their host had removed the drapery that covered it morris glanville had observed this drapery and as the artist unveiled the canvas with a flourish he saw that he had been waiting for the ladies to show it to produce a surprise a grand effect 
every one moved towards it and maurice with his daughter beside him recognized that the production a portrait was striking a great success for crisford the figure down to the knees with an extraordinary look of life of a tall handsome woman of middle age in full dress in black yet he saw it for the moment vaguely through a preoccupation that of a discovery which he had just made and which had recalled to him an incident of his youth his juxtaposition in london at a dinner to a girl insurmountably charmless to him who had fallen in love with him so that she was nearly to die of it within the first five minutes before he had even spoken as he had subsequently learned from a communication made him by his poor mother a reminder uttered with a pointless bitterness that he had failed to understand and accompanied with unsuspected details much later too late long after his marriage and shortly before her death he said to himself that he must look out and he wondered if poor vera would also be insurmountably charmless to the good-looking young man but what a likeness papa what a likeness he heard her murmur at his elbow with suppressed excitement how can you tell my dear if you haven't seen her i mean to the gentleman the son every one was exclaiming how wonderfully clever how beautiful and under cover of the agitation and applause morris glanville had drawn nearer the picture the movement had brought him close to the young man of whom he had been talking with vera and who with his happy eyes on the painted figure seemed to smile in acknowledgment of the artist's talent and of the sitter's charm do you know who the lady is morris said to him he turned his bright face to his interlocutor oh she's my mother mrs tregent isn't it wonderful his eyes his lips his voice flashed a light into glanville's uncertainty the tormenting resemblance was simply a prolonged echo of fanny knocker in whose later name precisely he recognized the name pronounced by the young man morris glanville stared in some bewilderment this stately splendid lady with a face so vivid that it was handsome was what that unfortunate girl had become the eyes as if they picked him out looked at him strangely from the canvas the face with all its difference asserted itself and he felt himself turning as red as if he had been in the presence of the original young tregent pleased and proud had given way to the pressing spectators placing himself at vera's other side and morris heard the girl exclaim to him in one of her pretty effusions how beautiful she must be and how amiable she is indeed it's not a bit flattered and while morris still stared more and more mystified for flattered flattered was the unspoken solution in which he had instantly taken refuge his neighbour continued i wish you could know her you must she's delightful she couldn't come here to-day they asked her she has people lunching at home i should be so glad perhaps we may meet her somewhere said vera if i ask her and if you'll let her i'm sure she'll come to see you the young man responded morris had glanced at him while the face of the portrait watched them with the oddest the grimmest effect 
he was filled with a confusion of feelings asking himself half a dozen questions at once was young tregent with his attentive manner making up to vera was he going out of his way in answering for his mother's civility little did he know what he was taking on himself above all was fanny knocker to-day this extraordinary figure extraordinary in the light of the early plainness that had made him bolt he became conscious of an extreme curiosity an irresistible desire to see her oh papa said vera mr tregent's so kind he's so good as to promise us a visit from his mother the young man's friendly eyes were still on the child's face i'll tell her all about you oh if i ask her she'll come he repeated does she do everything you ask her the girl inquired she likes to know my friends morris hesitated wondering if he were in the presence of a smooth young humbug to whom compliments cost nothing or in that of an impression really made made by his little fluttered unpopular vera he had a horror of exposing his child to risks but his curiosity was greater than his caution your mother mustn't come to us it's our duty to go to her he said to mr tregent i had the honour of knowing her a long time ago her mother and mine were intimate friends be so good as to mention my name to her that of morris glanville and to tell her how glad i have been to make your acquaintance and now my dear child he added to vera we must take leave during the rest of that day it never occurred to him that there might be an awkwardness in his presenting himself even after many years before a person with whom he had broken as he had broken with fanny knocker this was partly because he held justly enough that he had never committed himself and partly because the intensity of his desire to measure with his own eyes the change represented misrepresented perhaps by the picture was a force greater than any embarrassment his mother had told him that the poor girl had cruelly suffered but there was no present intensity in that idea with her expensive portrait her grand air her handsome son she somehow embodied success whereas he himself standing for mere bereavement and disappointment was a failure not to be surpassed with vera that evening he was very silent she saw him smoke endless cigarettes and wondered what he was thinking of she guessed indeed but she was too subtle a little person to attempt to fall in with his thoughts or to be willing to betray her own by asking him random questions about mrs tregent she had expressed as they came away from their luncheon-party a natural surprise at the coincidence of his having known the mother of her amusing neighbour but the only other words that dropped from her on the subject were contained in a question that before she went to bed she put to him with abrupt gaiety while she carefully placed a marker in a book she had not been reading when is it then that we're to call upon this wonderful old friend he looked at her through the smoke of his cigarette i don't know we must wait a little to allow her time to give some sign oh i see and vera took leave of him with one of her sincere little kisses end of part three